You're listening to WERA LP in Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, and streaming at WERA.FM. And this is Choose to be Curious. I'm your host, Lynn Borton. Welcome. So you've found your way to a show all about curiosity, but what does that mean? And why choose to be curious? We're all born curious, after all, but at some point we seem to get less curious. So my question is how to push back against that and reclaim some of our native curiosity. It was fun to be curious as a kid, remember? So how do we flex those curiosity muscles again, if you will, and make a choice, as we do with eating well or exercise, to get stronger at being curious? And it's a choice, because something happens and we're angry or confused or uncertain, and we can get mad or defensive or act like we already know the answer, faking it till we make it, Or we can choose to be curious and just try to understand better. We're in a new place or the same old place, and we can be on autopilot, or we can slow down, pay attention, and be curious about what's going on around us. We're with new people, or we're with people we've been around for years, and we can assume we already know exactly what they're thinking and how they'll react. Or we can choose to be curious and ask. S. Leonard Rubinstein, who was a writer and teacher, once described curiosity as, quote, a willing, a proud, an eager confession of ignorance. And that's what I'm going for. So each show is kind of a conversation about what we don't know, but might want to know and where we could learn it and who we could learn it from. I want to explore some of the research that's being done around curiosity and then talk with people about how curiosity fits into their work and lives how it shows up in learning and creativity, with decision-making, innovation, conflict resolution, trust, I mean, you name it. And we're going to get to the bottom of some deep Arlington sound mysteries that I've been curious about for years. Like, what's with the train whistles in the middle of the night? And who gets to play at the Netherlands Carolyn anyway? So please join the conversation. You can find us on Facebook, Choose to be Curious, and on Twitter at Choose to be Curious. That's choose number two, letter B, Curious. So you in? Cool. All right. If you served in the military or married into the military or grew up in the military, then Reveille has been a part of your day for a long time. And if you live near a place many of us still call Fort Meyer behind the wrought iron fence along Route 50, then you've likely heard the signature bugle call as well. I'm a morning person, so I don't mind a crack of dawn summons. And sometimes, if the windows are open and the wind is just right, I can hear it from my home. And I've always been curious about this morning ritual. I know Reveille means wake up in French, but that's pretty much it. Which is how I found myself at Hatfield Gate at 0600 recently. Only the day I went, they didn't play Reveille. Turns out they don't always. And not only that, but Reveille isn't played live on any base in the country. So you could make a case for me skipping this inquiry altogether, or just downloading an audio clip and calling it a day. But if I'd done that, I wouldn't have been on Joint Base Meyer-Henderson Hall when they hitched up the horses and the first caissons of the morning rolled out. And I wouldn't have heard the presidential salute battery. 
or the changing of the guard at the tomb of the unknown soldiers. And I wouldn't have found myself, with a little help from a public affairs officer, into the practice rooms of the United States Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps, talking about, well, fifes and drums. And how they were used in battle and now in ceremony. And I wouldn't have met Staff Sergeants Frankie and Newman, who've both been playing bugles since they were about 11. And I wouldn't have had the chance to hear a real bugler play Reveille live. Reveille, of course, isn't unique to Arlington, not by a long shot, but it's part of our unique overall soundscape. And I have to say, for me, my visit to the Joint Base kind of proved my thesis that there's so much that is interesting going on around us we might not even be aware of. Just taking the time to listen to the sounds, but, but also to the people behind the sounds is actually quite wonderful. So you can find pictures from my visit to the base and links to the Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps on our Facebook page. And it just so happens that the first of the Fife and Drum Corps' weekly free summer concerts, what they call the Twilight Tattoos, is tonight. So you can find information on our Facebook page or on their webpage at usarmyband.com. Check it out. You know, choose to be curious. And here's why. Researchers have found that when people are curious to learn the answer to a question, they're better at learning that information, and they have better recall of completely unrelated information that they were exposed to at the same time. A study released in 2014 showed that when curiosity is stimulated, there's increased activity in both the hippocampus, where the brain works on memory, and the regions of the brain associated with reward. For teachers, this is huge, right? Peak students' curiosity in one thing, and they will learn and remember more about anything. And that's true across the lifespan. So this is good news, people. We're never too old to learn, and it does help if we're curious. Babies will show curiosity or or readiness to learn by babbling and pointing, and they'll do more of it if parents engage and reinforce the behavior, and they'll stop entirely if no one responds. Other research has also shown that when parents model questioning, especially in response to kids' own questions, children learn to ask more and better questions. And more and better questions means more and better learning. But don't take my word for it. We've got links to these studies on our Facebook page. Check it out. See what you think. So you're listening to Choose to be Curious at WERALP in Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and I have a genuine expert on this learning question with me today. Michaela Pond is a gifted resource teacher here in Arlington and one of the most enthusiastically curious people I know. Kayla, it's great to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's really my pleasure. So... True confession here, Michaela taught my sons at Key Elementary School, Escuela Key, a long time ago. 
And Kayla, they called you Coach Pond. Tell me why. So early on, I decided I wanted to foster this idea of a team. And my students and I were learning together. And as a coach, I could uh, help strengthen their muscle, which was their brain. And uh, I just liked the idea of the teamwork aspect of it. And now as a gifted resource teacher, I'm the thinking coach. Ah. And so I'm, when the kids see me, they know I'm here to exercise their brain. And we're going to be doing something a little bit different than paper, pencil, worksheet. So they really are. They really are kind of um, scholar athletes. Then that's how I like to think of them. Nice. Yes. That's very cool. And to me, that suggests that smarts or curiosity aren't fixed or finite things. That um, those are things you can nurture or strengthen. Absolutely, and I think that's so important when you are raising a child or you're a teacher of students. You know, you look at where you have them in September and how much nurturing you can do to get them to go where you want them to go. And I think it's very dangerous to think that we all fit in these little boxes and that's where you are and that's where you will stay. Um, I feel I'm a perfect example of that. I, I feel so much smarter than I was so many years ago because I've just continued to be a student. Uh-huh, and interesting. I think that's so important. Well, and so that's interesting. You know, um, I don't know that he actually said it, but Albert Einstein gets attributed with this line about curiosity is more important than knowledge. And I actually think that's a pretty huge statement, actually, that sort of asking the questions is more important than knowing the answers. And that is almost a worry for me right now. I think we we are starting to be a little bit spoiled by technology, and all you have to do is press a button, ask Siri. Oh, and just have the answer. And then there's the answer. And then you don't keep thinking, and your curiosity might be muddled or stopped in its tracks. And I, I worry about that. I want kids to continue to ask those questions. Oh, and yeah. I think part of the journey is looking for that information and finding it. And that's so important. And I, I don't know. I wonder well, about it's, that. I mean, it sounds like... Um, there's real value in kind of sitting with that uncertainty or that kind of lack of resolution in the answer. Like you can't get the answer. It's like not instantly available to you. So you're like, you're stewing it, you know. And that's where the exercise of your brain Mm -hmm. happens. You know, Mm -hmm. you're really testing those limits and firing on all those circuits and neurons. And you're, you know, really stewing in it is is the fun part trying to convince my students that that is actually fun (laughs) is a little tricky Uh, this is hard uh, that's great that means you're exercising your brain that's right oh my poor kids you know i think they get tired of it's like it's okay if it's hard that was always my answer right yeah that's a hard answer so how do these research findings about peaking curiosity um, in one thing, carrying over to learning about other things, bear out in your experience? I mean, do you see evidence of that? You know, the thing I think about is motivation. Mm. I, I think if you're curious, it's going to motivate you to continue that journey, as we were discussing. And and that's where that research comes in. The The curiosity lingers, which helps motivate you to continue your journey, to continue to learn. 
the motivation piece I feel is so strong. Uh. That intrinsic motivation to to want to know more about the world around you and keep asking questions. I don't know, when I think about that, that's motivation somehow seems to be really prevalent. Huh. So that's interesting. So as a teacher, um, do you get training in curiosity? I mean, are you trained in, in sort of that motivation for learning? I'd have to say it's not something I've seen in in many of the programs, unless you're really looking at higher level questioning and critical thinking skills. You might take a three credit gifted education course, but it's not a priority, I I wouldn't say. Huh. So so uh, critical thinking, I mean, you sort of rattled off a couple of things there. I mean, talk a little bit more about what those actually consist of. I mean, what are the takeaways? My favorite critical thinking strategy right now is SCAMPER. What's that? So it's an acronym where you substitute something, you combine it, you adapt it, you modify, magnify, minify. <laughs> um, you you do all these things to like take an object, for example, and and look at it in a different way. And these are the kind of critical thinking things that we need to solve some of our problems right now. Mm-hmm. To be able to look at a problem in a different way. Maybe put yourself in somebody else's shoes or, you know, what would happen if you just change that one little thing? What's going to be the outcome? So when I, I don't know, when I think of critical thinking, that, uh, especially when I'm working with kindergarten, first grade children, <laughs> they're the best at it. Uh-huh. They're not afraid to take risks. Oh, interesting. They oh, s- but sad. Like the uh, kindergartners are the best critical thinkers. I, I love it. They're they're. They'll just ask anything. Well, what if we did that? I wonder what would happen. Oh, Coach Pond, do you think? And by fifth grade, I'm not seeing that anymore. Uh And I think part of it is, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to look dumb in front of my classmates. But, you know, we got to stop that. It's Mm -hmm. okay. There are no dumb questions. There are no wrong questions. So are there things that... Um, that you as a teacher, um, we as parents, or just we as people in general, could be doing to nurture curiosity? I mean, sort of making it safe to ask questions? I I feel that curiosity is contagious. Mm. So if we model that, if I'm at the grocery store and thinking, I wonder why this costs this much and that costs that much, that thinking out loud. So our students and children are hearing our own questions. And, you know, family dinner time, things, what would happen if? Why did you do that? Why do you think? You know, asking the who, what, why, when, where, <laughs> how. Uh-huh. It's uh-huh. basic stuff. Yeah, no yes or no answers, right? Right. Yeah. But by modeling that, I know when I first started out teaching, I wanted to feel in control. I wanted the kids to know that I was smart and I knew everything. And then I quickly found out I didn't know everything. Uh And then I thought, you know, this is silly. I want them to know that I'm still learning and that I have questions. And so I think it's really important as parents and as educators, you know what, that's a great question. I don't quite know the answer, but let's find out together. Let's investigate that. Right. Make it sort of an adventure. Nice. Wow, you taught me something. I never knew that. So one thing I've really enjoyed, uh, I think I got this idea watching some TED Talks. I I highly recommend (laughs) TED Talks and Google Curiosity. Uh, But I... 
I have tried this with my students. Google does something called the Genius Hour. Oh, I've never heard of it. And what they do is they let their staff have 20% of their working time to develop their passion. I have heard of this, right. And it has to be obviously related to the company. But because of things like that, Google Drive, Gmail, all these things came out of that. But they found that the production for these employees went way up because they felt that their work was valued and they also got to spend time on doing something that they were really passionate about, curious about. Mm-hmm. And, and it works for both Google and, and for the employee, right? So teachers came up with this idea, well, how can we get that to happen in the classroom? So if you have these students who we we still need to teach our basic skills, reading, writing, but how can we integrate what they're curious about? And so I, like I said earlier, I'm a a gifted resource teacher at Key Elementary. And what I was able to do with my fourth and fifth grade students is just have one session where we just brainstormed, asked all these questions. What do you want to know about? What do you wish you knew more about? If we could have a new subject at school, oh, what would that subject be? Oh, so what did they come up oh, with? Oh, my gosh. I, I just was so excited. We have kids who want to know everything about marine biology. Mm-hmm. Second graders are so curious about astrophysics. Uh, a lot of the topics I said, okay, drones. <laughs> I would have to learn more about drones. Uh-huh. I don't know a thing about drones. Uh, so I, I found it really fascinating and, and was worried that they wouldn't come up with, you know, a list. But, oh, my gosh, once we started one list and somebody would share, that would get uh, another person thinking about, oh, well, what about this? And what about that? So it really is contagious. It's contagious. And so what we're doing now is if they finish all their work, instead of, you know, just drop everything and read, mm-hmm. you now get to take your Chromebook and you get to go to the library and you get to find out what you're passionate about, learn more, read about it. And then hopefully we're going to have a culminating activity in June where the kids will come back and share their expertise with the class. And instead of the teacher, it'll be like a teacher day off. Let the students teach the teacher. Oh, so it's like miniature TED Talks. There you go. Oh, I like So I'm still de- developing the end product, but right now we're having a great time just learning from each other and using technology in different ways and uh, bouncing ideas off each other, and it's it's less teacher directed and more student directed. Mm-hmm. And I think they're really mm-hmm. enjoying the freedom to learn and and uh, just discover things and have the time to do it. Right, because curiosity is sort of it's kind of unruly, right? Like it doesn't um, it doesn't necessarily follow a, a defined trajectory, or you know, it takes you in kind of weird places, and sort of having the freedom to just go wherever their curiosity and imagination takes them sounds like a wonderful journey for the kids. Well, it's it's a a work in progress, but I think it's going to be a really uh, wonderful new idea that we can use to just inspire our students to keep on learning. I'm excited about it. That's so interesting. You know, as I've thought about it and was talking with my own parents about this, um, my father reminded me, in fact, that I had some very specific training in curiosity. Um, when I was in second grade, my teacher used something called Making It Strange. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's um, 
It's essentially a creative writing program, or it was. I don't know that it's in use anymore. Um, but I distinct. I mean, this was second grade. It was a long time ago. I distinctly remember some of the pieces that I wrote then. Um, and I remember loving the invitation to kind of make things more interesting, to kind of turn them on their side, think about it differently. So in that spirit... I know it's kind of geeky, but I was really sad when they took analogies out of the SATs. Um, because to me, analogies are a way to explore or explain something, I don't know, differently. Right. Um, so I have this big jar of wannabe analogies. It's filled with scraps of paper with random words. And Kayla, I want us each to take a slip and make an analogy to curiosity. Okay. All right. That sounds like my kind of game. <laughs> uh, I can do this. All right. So I'll go first. That okay. seems fair, right? Okay. So let's see. My slip of paper says crayons. Um, so curiosity is like crayons because it adds so much color to any picture. Ooh, I like that. Mm. That was on the top of your head. That was on the top I of my head. <laughs> you must be exercising your brain today. All right. I like that box of crayons here okay well mine is cobwebs (laughs) oh boy testing me here curiosity helps keep the cobwebs away Ah. i'm trying to make it more analogous but thinking similes and metaphors yeah if you have curiosity you're not gonna have too many cobwebs upstairs i, I believe like it. i like it i'm in like april is poetry month i think <laughs> <laughs> cobwebs and curiosity i like it i like it on top of everything else you have a really unique connection to krista mcauliffe whom the rest of us may know as the remarkable and courageous teacher who died tragically in the challenger disaster but for you she was much more and she really played an important role in your path to teaching right Yes, she did. And the 30th anniversary was in January. And I was contacted by a reporter up in Boston for NPR. And I told him I was thinking, what else could I possibly say on the subject matter? And I remember thinking, there's so many things I didn't know 30 years ago that Mm -hmm. as an adult, I now know. There's been so much more information that's been released. And... um, so we had a very nice conversation, quite like this one. And, you know, I think 30 years later, I can tell you, Chris McAuliffe was one of those teachers that fostered curiosity. Uh. She was probably one of those teachers that would say, I don't know, let's <laughs> find out. And I think that's what made her application to NASA and the Teacher in Space program so on point. Oh, interesting. Because she looked at it as I'm a pioneer, I'm I'm the next frontier, I'm exploring, it's the ultimate field trip. Let's see what we can find out and I'm going to share that with my students back home. So, this is a a, a person who stayed curious. Uh-huh. And had no boundaries and and I wonder what it would be like to be in space. Well, hey, wow, look at this program. I think I'm going to sign up for it. What an example that was to her students. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. what so, a great legacy. Yeah, she was my neighbor. I babysat for her children. She was my Sunday school teacher. And I, you know, I can even think about some stories on at Sunday school. And it was my, she was my confirmation teacher. So in ninth grade, 
we all had questions. We were all very curious about things. And I thought it was wonderful that she she didn't make it scary. It was okay to ask those questions mm-hmm. about religion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really appreciated that. Interesting. So, so that, to me, is a really important takeaway on that sort of making things safe for questioning. Right. Taking the risk out of questioning. Right. Oh. I think sometimes curiosity gets a bad rap. <laughs> you know, that curious George always getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. And there's Pandora and she opened up that box and then Icarus flies up to, you know, touch the sun and, and look what happens to him. You know, let's change that dynamic a little bit. It's okay to be curious. It doesn't have to be <laughs> a negative thing. Uh, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for this, oh, this conversation. Was so fun. This was great. If you'd like to learn more about Michaela and Krista, check out the links on our Facebook page, Choose to be Curious. I didn't realize it when I invited Michaela to talk that we would be airing right in the middle of Teacher Appreciation Week. So a special note of appreciation to you, Coach Bond, and to all of you teachers out there. You're listening to WERALP in Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM. Do you know something about curiosity? Are you wondering about curiosity? Send us a message on Facebook or Twitter at Choose to be Curious. Special thanks this week to Michaela Pond, Roy Kroom, Jim Goodwin, Major Russell Fox, Staff Sergeants Samara, Frankie, and Newman, Specialist Lauren Wheeler, and Antonio Villaronga, without whom this episode simply would not have been possible. I hope we've piqued your curiosity and that you'll be back for our next show at 10 o'clock on Wednesday, May 18th, when we'll talk with Drew Cosley, Arlington native and news editor for the Falls Church News Press, about curiosity and journalism. And I'll pose the question everyone keeps asking me, is there such a thing as bad curiosity? And he doesn't know it yet, but I'm hoping Drew will help me solve the curious case of the train whistle in the night. Until then, choose to be curious.